Alright everyone, welcome to episode 141 of Eventually Super Train, short-lived TV show podcast. We cover short-lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually we will cover Super Train. This is an end-of-the-year episode. This one's coming out around Christmas Eve of 2020. And as, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, I do not do full episodes in January. We might have a mini-episode or two, but the full episodes won't return to the second half of, uh, first half, I'm sorry, of February. So this one is kind of closing out the year, and of course it's the holidays, and happy holidays to all of you. As I've said before, you know, I, I celebrate Christmas, so Christmas may come up a few times during this episode. In fact, it does. And uh, what, what what is the episode? What are we doing in this episode? Well, let's see. We've got we we've got the normal three segments, but um, as the middleman ended last time, and Fresno ends this time, that means we return to February. We've got two brand new old shows starting up. And I decided instead of starting a brand new old show in this episode, we're gonna do something a little special. Um, uh, a little Christmassy for the for the final segment. But the first segment we got ha- happening here is Tales of the Gold Monkey 19, and then Fresno 5, and that of course is the last episode of Fresno. We'll be uh, wrapping that up. And what I'm going to do here to kind of streamline the episode and just keep us cooking is I'm going to give you the plot breakdowns for Tales of the Gold Monkey and Fresno right now. And then I'll uh, I'll give you sort of a schedule of the rest of the episode. So, the episode is uh, uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey is Borogora or Bust, directed by the great Ivan Dixon, uh, written by George Geiger and Tom Green, March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. And in this one, there is an old prospector on the island who has found a uh, cave full of platinum that he's been, I think, 30, 40 years he's been prospecting into it, and he finally turns in his claim for it and makes uh, Borogora kind of a crazy boom town where everyone's showing up trying to find platinum and then a uh, jerk from somewhere in the united states shows up and basically jumps the old man's claim and the old man goes missing and jake and jack and corky have to try to find him to stop him from doing anything rash or maybe to help him do something rash i'll, I'll leave it at that after that, and we have two more episodes of Gold Monkey after this, so that'll be in March. We'll start a third brand new old show. So by the time we get to mid-March, um, the shows we've been talking about the past few months will all be wiped clean and brand new slate. Uh, but we're episode five of, of um, Thingy, Fresno, uh, directed by Jeff Blackner. Same same gang as always, written by Mark Enzel, uh, Barry Kemp, Michael Petrini. This is November twenty eighth, or I'm November twentieth, nineteen eighty six, and and this one we talk about it a lot. And again, I'm I'm it's it's soap opera stuff. So there's a thousand things going on, but the main portion of this is a really big trial sequence, possibly more than one, and it's a lot of fun. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. So what's gonna happen now is I'm gonna play a little gold monkey theme. And then uh, myself and the great Kiki Wrights are on the other end chatting about it. And then you're going to hear a little bit of the... This will be an episode, I think, without any Ellery Queen theme in it. I'm not even going to do one right now. Um, then you're going to hear uh, um, uh, C.R. Hawes and myself discussing the final episode of Fresno. And then right after that, it will go into me. Uh, I'll be back, me, this me talking right now and i'll be introducing uh the 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 fun little segment that i'm gonna play for you to close everything out and then the episode will close out with that segment so um i will be back in about an hour 
enjoy uh, the Gold Monkey segment, the final Fresno segment, and um, I'll be on the other end. You'll know me when you hear me. Listen to this. Welcome to the 19th uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey chat. This one is Borogora or Bust, which I keep saying Borogora and Bust, but that ain't right. Um, but it, everything's going to be okay, because this is episode 19, it's it's going to be great, and I'm here with, and uh, I, um, I... This episode is coming out right at Christmas, and you you all know that Happy Holidays to everybody. I celebrate Christmas, so I talk about Christmas because that's the, um, you know, like if if I were a, if if you if you invited me to your house, and I was a plumber, you wouldn't want me to talk about the electricals. You'd want me to talk about your toilet. I celebrate Christmas, so I I can't really discuss the other holidays. But I can wish you the best and brightest and most beautiful time. But I'm going to talk about Santa because he fucking rocks. So um, I'm here with uh, my good friend. I don't even remember her name. Oh, Santa Hawes. Santa, how are you? Ho, ho, ho. I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's good to... um. <clears throat> It's good to be here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I know the other, <coughs> pardon me, the other people I have on for this episode, they're, they don't really care about the holidays, so they wouldn't talk to me about the holidays, but I'm so glad you will. Yes, of course. Yay! <laughs> so what do you got? Would you tell me real quick what you have planned for this Christmas, and if you are going to make a breakfast casserole, I want to know what that is. Yes. I'm going to make a breakfast casserole because in my house we do breakfast all day for Christmas. And so that is um, cinnamon rolls in the morning, whatever breakfast stuff you can find for in the afternoon and throughout. And then we have breakfast casserole, which you cook in the crock pot, and that's what we have for dinner. How long does that go in the crock pot? Four hours on low or two hours on high. There's no medium on that, right? It's just low no, or high. it's low or high. Isn't that weird? We have a crock pot and it's just low or high, and sometimes I'm like, damn it, I need four hours or three hours or whatever. I need that mid ground. <laughs> I need to be I need to be in the middle, but you can't they just don't make I wonder if they did it one time, but like America said no. Yeah, they couldn't handle it. You know, they it's just like we, we want it, it. <laughs> we want it slow, but we want it in two hours or six hours, you know, kind of thing. You know, we don't want it in four. You know, whatever. But um, so do you get you get a lot of people come over? Is it like you just get to? I mean, you're you're like in the you're like in a more like I'm in the middle of I oh god I'm in the middle of wherever I am. But you're in the middle of a really nice. There's this space around you, right? So do you like leave the door open? It's just like come on in for breakfast casserole, and like people wander in or like give me a beer and a side of breakfast casserole. Uh, no, it's not quite that open. It's just you know. <laughs> For the people in my house, um, but oh, my, my grandpa, my grandpa actually used to do that for the family for New oh. Year's Day. Okay, and makes sense. Yeah, we could we could get anywhere from eighty to a hundred people in his little house. Holy, holy, holy! Now where where is that? Is that I Illinois? Is that? Yeah, yeah. He lived. Um, they, they lived. They used to live like twenty minutes south of where I live, 
Okay. And they had a very, very small house, and we would cram it full of people for biscuits wow. and gravy in the morning and ham and beans in the afternoon. Ham and beans. Oh my gosh. That I used to. I I think I've I've mentioned on here, but you know that my um. My mom and dad, when they were growing up, lived across the street from each other in um, downtown Rochester. So we would go to my mom's parents' house, have a meal, and then cross the street and have a meal at my dad's parents' house. And it was very nice until um, the crackheads moved in. Then it became a less it became a less uh, relaxed environment, if if you'll forgive me. So, um, when, whenever the crackheads moved in, that's when Christmas goes downhill. <laughs> uh, but, but having said that, now this episode we're going to talk about isn't Christmas related, but I thought since, um, that this episode is going up at Christmas, I, I do a little Christmas chat there. Um, and, and Merry, Merry Holidays to you. Merry New Year. And, oh, and, um. Uh, I, 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 I forgot the name of the episode. Borogoro Bust. All right, sorry. sorry. Um, so what did you think of... So it's the 19th episode. What did you think of this one? Um, This is one that, like, when I first watched it, I was like, meh. It's okay. But I liked it better on the second hmm. viewing. I think a big part of my dislike hinged on john riley's character because hastings is so so dislikable uh, that i just i think it colored my view of the rest of the episode but then when i watched it this time and kind of took a step back i was just like mm-hmm, no there's actually sure. quite a few enjoyable bits and overall yeah. i enjoyed the episode a lot more um yeah. i love the fact that there's a donkey and Jack has some bitter feelings towards the donkey. Yes, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good time. And you have this whole bus town. You have the Nazi with morals. It's just you didn't see that coming. No. Um, and then you have that whole thread of this miner who's been working this this mine for forty years, and how much uh, Jake loves him and will do anything to keep him from blowing himself up. And it's mm-hmm. one of those characters that we have never seen before and would probably never see again. Yes. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I, I liked it a lot better this time around. Um, what did you think of it? <laughs> I, I enjoyed the episode. I think um, I think the problem is, like, like, like you just said, man, if you love shit-eating grins... <laughs> You will love this episode because Hastings does that for about five minutes of the episode. You want to punch him in the face every time you see him. But, but I mean, Dowser, I like Dowser. I like his donkey. And then I, li- I like the moment where he, he calls his donkey. I, I, I forget where, where, where they go back. He goes back to the cave to at the end, and he calls the donkey... Um, he calls it an ass, which it is, but he does it in such a way where you're like, "Ooh, that was a little naughty." I forget, I but I didn't write down exactly what he said when he yelled it. Um, but it's it's um, it's it's fun to see sort of the 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 monkey barn everywhere there become like this boom town, just even just briefly. And like you said, the the Nazi fight is fun. It's a good brawl. It's a heck of a fun brawl. Um, it's it's kind of um. It's kind of one of those brawls that's um like it doesn't really add much to the story, but it's fun to watch. 
and um, uh, and uh, I do I do like the um, and I I feel like that th- that bridge they go over at the end I feel like that's something at like Universal Studios or something like that, <laughs> you know that that like you drive over. Uh, and like the tram, and then it collapses behind you, and then it immediately comes back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know for certain. But I like that. I like the cave. There's stuff in the cave, and there's there's a lot of fun stuff. I I I, I will be honest. One of the tricky things with the episode is that when they crash down on the the space where the the claim is with the with the cave, there's a lot of rear screen projection. Yeah, maybe too much. Um, <laughs> because one of the th- one of the things about the show is that there's almost always a feeling of reality to it. But there are some scenes with with them in the in like a, the motorcycle or whatever they're in. They're driving along, and it's like, okay, yeah, there's the it's like the Flintstones. Oh yeah, I keep seeing the same stone chair go by over and over again, kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's like I. I, I kind of wish they had been really on a bike, really going down to space rather than with rear screen just going by them quickly. Because it isn't like if it were a sitcom and they were telling jokes and we saw a bad rear screen projection in the background, who cares? But part of this is like they're meant to be going deep, deep into this island, to this cave. And the whole time you're thinking, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> you're still they're playing a screen behind you and it's like it's weird because I don't really think they've done a lot of that before on the show so I don't know if it's like end of the season maybe we're running a little low on cash but once they leave um, the monkey bar and everything um, it basically is like a cave set and that bridge set which looks to me like I said like it's part of like um like an amusement park or something just because of the way it collapses, it looks like someone could pull some cords and it would come right back up, or something. So, but it's 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 not like I wasn't bothered by that. You know, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who, one of the cheapest you know shows ever. No, no, I I denigrate it, it not really, but I I I can I can work with cheap effects, but it's just slightly startling. Because it is funny, because there, there's that great moment where they're driving in the motorcycle there, and um, and Jake says something like, "And oh, there's a bridge up ahead." And Corky's like, "Oh, it, that doesn't look like much of a bridge." Well, we're just going to keep going real fast, and when we're going real fast, it'll it'll be we're lighter than we're when we're walking. Or he says something like that, and Corky is like, "Where'd you hear that?" <laughs> and and it's it's just a great moment. You 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 don't quite believe it either, but it's like um, it's 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 an it's um, it, what I'm saying at the end of the day is I wish there was less rear screen projection <laughs> in the last <laughs> act of this episode. I'm try I'm trying to justify it in my mind, but at the end of the day I, I can't quite do it because the show has been such a sharp adventure show, um, that using the rear screen projection seems a little. I, maybe cheap, maybe lazy. I don't know. But um, what what else about this episode? What, what else do you have? Well, um, I want to go back to the the fight scene because I love oh yeah a grand brawl. Yes. If, have you ever seen the movie McClintock? A long time ago. Yes. yes In yes, the fight at yes. the mine. 
I yeah. compare mm-hmm. all fights to the fight that Superboy's <laughs> mine. And yes. this one's up there. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of uh, shenanigans and yes, you know, random people jumping in and leaping. Yeah, it was just it was really good. And we get to see Willie like full on lose his mind. Yes, um, boxing this dude because what it is is that Borgora kind of became a boomtown, and this French guy moved his sex workers in. Mm-hmm. And. I'm fine with sex work, but I can't abide a pimp, and I'm, I am said what I said. And so I was fine with <laughs> Willie getting on him. But he kind of the, – the guy kind of calls out Willie on his hypocrisy a little bit when he tries to get one of the girls to work in the, mm-hmm. the tent with him. And Willie loses his mind, and he knocks stuff over, and he knocks down the tent, and <laughs> just all hell breaks loose. Yes. And it was just so much fun. And then you get to the very end with – um. Willie standing there and he's just going off about how he hasn't had such a good workout since when and he says a bunch of stuff in German and Jake's like were you just talking German or was that Dutch and he's like oh yes. it was Dutch of course <laughs> <laughs> because no one's supposed to know he's a Nazi yes 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 and it's he... weird when you're reminded of that at the end because once again we have this likable character and you're and he's kind of sticking up for the the women of the island, the native women of the island, and then you're reminded, oh yeah, dude is a Nazi. Nazi, yeah. It's just the, I'm telling you, it's, it's the a greatest weird. trick this show played is make you yeah. like the Nazi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I would have loved to have seen. I I mean, I really think if the show had gone on for several seasons and had gone into World War II, he would have certainly been on their side. I think, although our our yeah, our hero's so. side. Yeah, he would have been the good Nazi, and the Nazi everyone yes. liked. But the yeah, that is that is a hell of a scene. I do love a good brawl too. I was thinking, um, <coughs> pardon me, McClintock's great. Um, there's the the Jackie Chan film Project A has a brawl a bar brawl in it that is nutty as hell. And then the I was thinking of just because I was watching one of his films uh, the other day, Harold Lloyd. His last silent film, Speedy, has a street brawl in it with literally, like, probably 70 or 80 people just beating the crap out of each other <laughs> on the street. And this is 1928, and it's just, it's so good. But yeah, there's it's a great brawl because it's one of those, like, every time the camera cuts, there's something else cool happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one of those where, like, it cuts here, and this guy's punching this guy and throwing him through a... Uh, a tent and it cuts here and this guy's throwing this guy over a tent you know and it's just it's it's a really great brawl it really is i wish someone had beat up hastings in that oh i know sorry it it, it was it was our distraction i think because right before that bowser runs off looking for matilda because that oh that irish boy i think he was irish yes um was riding matilda and uh pissed off Dowser after everything that's already happened to him and he goes running off to, yeah. to catch his, his ass and um, <laughs> Corky, that's Corky. kind of that's kind of the joke that, that he does later on yeah that's kind of the joke don't and be then, such an ass or something <laughs> like that <laughs> and then Corky grabs a hold of that Irish kid and he goes if you're still here when I get back I'm riding you with spurs <laughs> yes and he shoves him to the ground yes and it's like yes nice. get him Corky. yeah well done Corky you have the you have the roundest face on television, and we love you. 
I know he looks. He's this adorable cherub. You don't expect him to be getting rough with yeah, that and, little boy, but he does. He does, and and you, yeah. The the moment, like if if Corky gets rough with you, you're you're an ass. Yeah. You, you, you are, are a real piece of in it. The yeah. wrong. Yes, yes. Um, and and I mean, uh, yeah. This, so so this is sort of one of those episodes where it's interesting because um, I don't know how interesting. Maybe it's interesting. But but just that moment where like a dowser is like, well, I finally after forty years I got my I got my platinum, and Jake is immediately like, you still have the claim on that, right? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we should check that out. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh Jake, leave him alone. That's me. Uh, oh Jake, leave him alone. He's fed. <laughs> I I can't do a Louis <laughs> voice. Yeah, we're we're having a party. I don't know. Something might go wrong. Seven minutes later, something goes wrong. <laughs> As I, oh boy, and it's funny when you watch it the second time. When you watch that scene the second time, you're like, okay, there it is, there, there it is. Like the first time you see it, you're like, ooh, this might be portending <laughs> something. But the second time, you're like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's like literally they could just put it on the on the screen, like in in big letters, like he's losing his claim. <laughs> Yeah, now, like somebody oh, sets, sets down an anvil on the bar. <laughs> There's your hint. Exactly. Um, what now? What now? It's it's funny at the ending, and we're we're gonna ruin the ending here because this isn't, you know, this isn't the uh, sixth sense of the crying game. We we can we can ruin <laughs> the ending here. But but what they do is they blow up the mine that Hastings is getting control of. So he he basically all the work that Dowser has done has is now buried and Hastings has to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine, but you, it's almost like like when they Hastings goes, you can't do that. We just did. And they drive away and you think, if he has the rights to that, who's in the right or who's in the wrong? I mean, it's fun to see them blow it up. And the great motorcycle stunt where it goes over the broken bridge is fantastic. But at the end of the day, you're like, I don't want to take him to the people's court, but what, um, like, is, are they in the wrong for doing what they just did? Or does he, is, I, I was a little unsure how it worked. Did, did he already have the claim and they're just. Well, he, he technically already had the claim because that's why Louis said he couldn't stop Hastings from going up mm-hmm. there. Okay. And, but the thing is, is that, well, what, what are they going to get him on? They just, sure. they just. Blew some, they just blew up a, a part of his property. I guess they could get him for some property damage. Damage, yeah, yeah. But it's nothing, like, huge. They didn't murder anybody. They didn't prevent him from doing anything to that mine. And, tr- and true, at the end of the day, you you can't, because it's buried, you, you can't actually prove that they... Set off yeah. the because the, di- the dynamite's in the middle of the the wreckage, the explosion. Yeah. So you can't. Mm-hmm. And just because they happen to be there, you can't prove that they're the ones that yes. with that stick of dynamite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck proving that in court, there. Yeah. You white yeah. suit wearing businessman. Sure, you. <laughs> and his two white suit wearing friends. Yes. Why didn't his friends not dress in those suits? Well, because he the... borrowed them. Okay. They were they were actually the um, the one French guy that Willie beat up. That they were his bodyguards. <laughs> yes. Okay. So they borrowed him. 
Okay. Yeah, because the moment you see them, it's like, okay, well, go down in the water and climb up the other side. You're like, no one is dressed for this. <laughs> no. And I, you did, I did not bring my trunks. There's not enough trunks you can give me for this. And they, they even do that thing where, like, one of them's going up and starts to fall, and the other's coming up, and he grabs the one who's coming up, and he falls in, and they both fall in. And it's like, oh, guys, yeah. I, get, I get your comedy. I get it. I get it. Um, it's uh, it's 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 an, it's an interesting episode because I I, I um, I I like what <laughs> here I I just I'm I'm gonna nitpick here, but Dowser has a moment where he is going to the mine for one last time to blow it up, and he's yelling for his ass, <laughs> and he says something like, "I got some of that bubbly water you like," and he's got like a a bottle of like sparkly water. And he pulls the cork out with his teeth, spits the cork away, pours some of it on his head, and drinks a bunch of it. But you can still see there's like more than half a half a bottle in there. Why'd you spit the cork away? That seems foolish to me. Pour it on your head all you want, but you're going to keep walking through the woods. You're going to sp- that's going to spill. You've got no top for it anymore. I hate to be so practical. Well, I mean, on Tales of the Gold Monkey. But that just bothered me. I was like, it's 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 one of those things like when someone says like like when someone goes to visit someone, they say, "Would you like a drink?" and they pour them a drink and they don't drink all the drink. Yeah. Like drink the drink, drink the drink, or don't take it. Well, I, that drives me up the wall. <laughs> I think it's part of it is to show his his frame of mind because he was going to the mine not just to blow the mine up but to blow himself oh, but up. But to as die. Well. Yes, so he doesn't care true. if his his bubbly water spills all over the place or if. You know, bugs get in it or whatnot. He's going yeah. to to okay. unalive himself, so it's not really a concern <laughs> of his. I have never been at that point. I've been at some dark points, <laughs> but I've never been. I always, I guess, I guess it's like it's like it's like with this show. Like the moment we start talking about Super Train, we're we're going off the cliff, mm-hmm. everybody. So, but until we start talking about Super Train, until I. Until I uh, until I start talking about Super Train, until I start spitting out the cork, then that we're going that we're okay before that. All right. So so, um, but but it's like I saw him spit that out. And I thought, no, don't do that. No, I, I keep it. You're gonna wanna because you're gonna you're still walking if you spill it. But then I thought, yeah, that's right. He's gonna blow himself up. So I guess. But then I I realized that. Most of the forest we saw was rear screen projection, so I have no idea how far he is from the cave. <laughs> he he could be four feet. He could be three miles. It's literally around the corner. It's, <laughs> uh, but uh, so what, what, what else do you have on this one? I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a fun episode. It's got a good brawl. It's got a really smarmy ass bad guy who's not. He's not like uh, he's not like Goldfinger or anything. He's just kind of a jerk. No, he's just a classic, you know, businessman who knows all of the yeah. loopholes and works them. Mm. And he's so smug that you're just like oh, when he gets is... when he gets his comeuppance in the end, which is not violence. Which as much as you want it to be violence, it's not. And they just kind of like go off whistling after they've blown up his mind, and he yes. realizes that he's going to have to put in all of this work to get back to the platinum mm-hmm. he, it's there yeah. it's there but and he yeah. ends up giving up 
because it's yeah. not worth his effort. Somebody else, you know, it's different when he can go in and claim something someone else has done. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's not going to put the effort in. And so it's kind of a sweeter comeuppance in a way as much as you would like to at least see him get a busted lip. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of nice to see that, yeah, he just – they totally turned it on him and – They got him. Yeah. It's, 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 it's nicer that way, I think. And so I, I just the last thing I have is that just there's there is the the moment where Dowser lights the 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 um the, the wick the fuse mm-hmm. on on the dynamite, and it's it's Corky who again for the second like with the with the thing with the ass where he pushes the guy over Corky steps forward with a knife and says you ain't doing that and he cuts the thing and he says I'll shoot uh, I'll kill you I'll stab you or whatever the hell he's doing I'll pour bubbly water on your head. <laughs> And and Corky's like, no, you won't. And he just cuts the fuse and throws it on the ground. Yes. And it's like it's like the the, the more the more I watch Jake and Corky together, the more I think they're sort of like Corky. Corky Jake didn't step forward right there. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, what's going on? But Corky was just like, he ain't doing it. Yep. <laughs> cut the cor- cut like, the cut the fuse. Oh, how go. brave of you, Corky! You just you read him for Philip and just went, yep, yes. I got this. And you, you're, no, you're not going to shoot. You're not yep. going to do whatever. And he, he, and he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And and you, you know, he's absolutely right. But you, you, uh, you know, the guy who's lighting the fuse doesn't want you to be right. And 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 the episode itself is like, is he going to be right or isn't he going to be? It's it's just it's just one of those little go- gorgeous little moments that happen so quickly, mm-hmm. but is is a um is a great character moment for my favorite round face boy. Yes, it is. It's a great character moment. Yeah. So, so what else? What else? Do you have anything else on this one? Um, um, uh, uh, do you think? Do you think Sarah is getting too thin? I didn't really notice. Okay, maybe that was just me. I'll pay attention next episode. Because <laughs> I know Caitlin O'Haney from Savage Weekend, which is nineteen seventy six, seventy seven, when she was a little more um, buxom, and then. She was thinner, and he knows you're alone, which is a year or two before this. And I just think she's getting a bit too thin. I'm worried about her. Mm, I didn't notice. I'll but, pay attention next time. Okay, okay. We got two more episodes, everyone. Um, so anything, anything so else? Trivia I, I or otherwise? I just have one more thing, and then uh, a little bit of trivia. Uh, I just wanted to point out that what part of the Boomtown shenanigans, aside from Gushy, like <laughs> ended up like selling all this stuff and ended up with a bunch of IOUs is that there's a guy doing the shell game and Corky, oh, yes, yes. Corky and Jack are playing and um, he Corky points to a shell and Jack barks no and he points to the next shell and Jack points barks <laughs> no and then he points to the third shell and Jack points no and that's how we know that he's cheating is <laughs> because yeah. the dog figures it out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And again, a great character moment for Jack. Yes, a, a very nice scene, and I, I will say, I will say honestly, even <laughs> we only have two episodes left, but there are still moments where I have to remember that it's not one for yes, two for no anymore. <laughs> there are st- that still happens where he barks, and I'm like, I have to. Still, after 19 episodes, I still have to do that. But, and I've I've just got two more things. One, I forgot that Sarah and Jake have a really nice kiss. Yes. Before they go to the island, really sweet kiss. It's a it's a it's a romantic kiss. It's lovely, and right after that, you see the goose flying over the island there, and um, 
there's a shot with looking into the side window with with Jake in the foreground and Corky in the background. And I forget what Jake is talking about, but the look Corky is giving him is hilarious. So you don't even have to know what's being said. Just the look, look Corky has on his face. It's like I'm like Corky is slowly taking over the show. Yes. I think I think I think by the end of the second season he would have been the pilot, <laughs> and Jake would have been the mechanic. I, I think he really is sort of slowly taking over the show. But that's all I have to say on this one. Trivia time. Trivia time. Trivia time. Okay, so Hastings was played by John Riley, and uh, John mm. Riley was uh, Sean Donnelly on General Hospital. He recently passed away earlier yes. this oh. year. Um, Dowser was played by John McLeam, and he was in an episode of Magnum P.I. He was in the episode Limited Engagement. And our director for this episode was Ivan Dixon. Yes, and yes. he's probably best noticed as Kinslow on Hogan's Heroes, but he actually made quite the career out of directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he directed in like forty nine episodes or forty nine. He, he has forty nine directing credits and a lot of its TV episodes, but mm. that includes thirteen episodes of Magna PI. Yay! Ivan Dixon directed one of my two, uh, one of my favorite and one of my almost favorite black exploitation films. He did Trouble Man. Mm-hmm. Trouble Man with the Marvin Gaye soundtrack, which you gotta right now go on YouTube. YouTube Trouble Man theme song. Oh, you'll love it. One of Marvin Gaye's best. Um, one of Marvin Gaye's best. And the the movie itself is is quite good. Although yes, it is featured in the Medved Brothers' Fifty Worst Films of All Time. I don't think that's right. But he also did. Um, a year after he did The Great Trouble Man, he did The Spook Who Sat By The Door. Pardon me, that's the name of the movie. Um, which is a really good one, too, and which is Herbie Hancock's second soundtrack. He did the soundtrack for Blow Up, and a year after that, he did the soundtrack for Death Wish. But it's a it's a Herbie, a Herbie Hancock soundtrack and a really good film. Ivan, Ivan Dixon's a really, really um, good director. And I, I wish he hadn't had to direct the one with the rear screen projection. Although maybe he loved rear screen projection. Well, maybe. I never got to talk to him. Yeah, no, I never did either. I would love to read a book about his directing career because it's quite I, interesting. I would, yeah, he's he's done he's done so much so much fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and of course Hogan's Heroes. You know, are you a Hogan's Heroes? You're not a sitcom fan, right? I do enjoy Hogan's Heroes. Um, mm-hmm. I I have Robert Clary who sadly passed away not too long ago. Mm. Um, oh, I yes. have his uh, autobiography and it is really, really good. I, th- I think the thing with Hogan's Heroes is that's one of those shows that's, it has the laugh track and we call it a sitcom, but it's actually a slightly different from like, like a sitcom. It's actually more of like each episode is like almost like a caper kind, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you know where we gotta, we got the 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 pilots have landed. We got to get them out and get them back behind the you know the enemy line. You know wherever it's 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 less of like you know like um, hey we got handcuffed together you know or uh, mother in law is coming over you know kind of thing. It's more like um, there were a lot of those and it's like my favorite Martian was like that too. It's like it's not like a regular sitcom. It's like a lot of. Sh- more involved shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I am um, Mitchell, um, Mitchell, 
uh, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Hadley, not Mitchell from the, the Joe Don Baker film. He's a huge Hogan's Heroes fan. And the show, I think, is about to come out in Blu-ray, or it's a, it has come out in Blu-ray. And I actually, uh, on his recommendation, I bought the first season of it uh, a few months ago. And I've watched the first six or seven episodes. And it's much more, um, it's, 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 um, it's denser than a sitcom. Is that right? Is that the way to describe it? I don't know. But it's like there's more to it than a regular sitcom, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, it's not like I I don't I'm I'm trying to think of like um, Meet Corliss Archer, or December Bride, or something like that. You know, or Spring Byington to something wacky or Armis Brooks, where you know she's oh my gosh, something wa- weird's happening with the junior prom. This is more involved. So it's Ivan Dixon. I don't know. I went off on a Hogan's Heroes uh, thing. That, you know, it's Christmas time, everyone. You're going to have to let me do that. Because I got the eggnog here, and I'm feeling great. Actually, I don't have any eggnog here, but uh, I should have some soon. But um, do, anything else about Boragora or Bust? I'm good to go. Awesome. What? What is your favorite precious metal <laughs> platinum yay all right so uh uh Kristen, i may i call you christmas pause sure <laughs> yay you could tell that she hated that um she, but I'm, I'm gonna do it anyways uh, christmas Hawes, where can we find you online you can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Book of Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me on my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want to see me talk about my favorite precious metals in real time, you can do that because I'm still on Twitter at Hey! I loved the way that this wrapped everything up. It was just so perfect the way every single storyline came together into a nice, neat little uh, soap opera bow. It was just, I mean, you have the trials converging, the the uh, Torch overhearing something he shouldn't, and mm-hmm. that gets him into trouble, and you get the revelations of everybody's murders. I mean... It's perfect. It it was it's a perfect perfect explosive ending. Yes. <laughs> what, what did you think of it? I think I I was I think I remember when I first watched it thinking is this going to be one of those mini series like V the Final Battle or America with a K which I think actually aired a year later where you watch the whole thing you get to the end and you're like that was a setup for a series. Oh, they didn't they didn't give us that proper ending. This to me has a proper ending. Mm-hmm. I've seen people mention online, like, oh, it's too bad it never became a series. And I thought, was it supposed to be? Because to me, it has like a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it even has the moment where, you know, Charlotte's driving with Charles, and she says, you know, the great thing is, well, she says to me, you know what's great? Tomorrow's a new day. Mm-hmm. And, and and you see Juan dancing in the fields. <laughs> and, and it's just, to, to me, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that had an ending. It could have continued as a series, certainly, but I... um. I think it would have just gone downhill fairly quickly 
if it had. So I just I just think it's beautifully done. It's got so many. I mean, one of my favorite moments is the very. I, I don't know that it's a funny line at all, but just that moment where they're in the um, the water commissioner thing and they're gonna go down the hall and it's something like um, uh, what is it? Something like um, uh, this um, this court is adjourned until it reconvenes at the murder trial down the hall. And which, which I just absolutely, I've never seen that before, where, where one trial ended to go and watch. And, and like when they all come in, they're like, who are all you people? We're from the Water Commission. We're here to watch your trial. Just sit down. <laughs> sit down. Um, and, uh, and, and you do get, you, you get a lovely foreshadowing of the, the closing big scene in the opening when the assassins try to blow up the rolls. Charles has finally <laughs> fixed the rolls. <laughs> Um, but uh, and they blow it up, not realizing that the station wagon is the uh, vehicle <laughs> of choice. And they do some beautiful explosions in this episode. I don't know who did the explosions, but they're just really good explosions. And we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about the final scene, which is is I think gorgeous, <laughs> crazy. Yes. Um, but uh, what? Yeah, let's just go through like we do. I, 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 since I, I told those stories, uh, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to uh, uh, make us go go forever here. But um, what? What are some of your favorite moments? There are a lot in the episode, but what are some that really stood out? Um, Tiffany finally coming to terms with her bloodline, and she, you know, talks to Charlotte about it, mm-hmm. saying that she knows the truth because she was at the gazebo, yeah. and. Um, she has a drink and Charlotte's like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, this is what my, my blood does. So she, <laughs> she has a drink and I think she only has one, but she kind of gets a mm. little blitzed on it. Yeah. And she goes over and she's like, so cause Charlotte's having this, you know, beautiful monologue about, you know, family and struggles and whatever. And then Tiffany, of course, she, she has her one martini, and she goes over and very drunkenly says that, you know, despite everything, all of the pain that you caused me, I still love you. I love you, Mom. And then she throws the drink in her face. Yes. <laughs> and you... Charlotte looks at her and goes, you are a Kensington. <laughs> I love the fact that the whole throwing of the drinks in the faces, which they kept playing throughout the miniseries, which was great, pays off in a tender, mm-hmm. touching moment that that yes. proves she's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just love that. <laughs> um, I was going to... Um, uh, oh, jeez, there's so many. I, I, did, I do like the... Um, when uh, when um, Tyler shoots Torch, and then they do have the moment where Torch... Uh, um, he has to get to the courtroom, and he's got the thing in his mouth, and he's got a catheter in, and everything. He says, "I gotta go, I gotta go." And then, and, and Tiffany's getting ready to take him to the bathroom, and he needs no, no, the the courtroom. <laughs> and then when they get to the courtroom, and, and Tyler says something like, "I've never killed anyone. I've never even shot anyone, apart from him." <laughs> yeah, and he's calling him when he's trying to talk to him. He's um, before he shoots him because he's trying to bribe him so he won't tell what he overheard. And he's calling him Blaze. Yes. Blame. All the, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think one of the reasons why I really love this is because I I think wh- whether whether we like it or not, uh, um, uh, we do. I, I think people do enjoy like a good trial sequence. And I think the joy of trials is like I I've been on a jury. Have you have you ever been on a jury? Do, 
I have not. Um, I hold the distinction of never having been called for jury duty. I swear they pull wow. my name and go, oh, no, not her. And go to <laughs> I, was, I was on jury duty once back in 2009. I was on a jury in Beverly, uh, Beverly Hills Court for 10 days. And the one thing I can tell you is it's really boring. I was so bored. <laughs> And and it was tricky because half the time I was a um I was a um I was the um uh, why am I forgetting the name you're the extra juror what are they called you know the um the uh, alternate the alternate and the thing was the jury box was being fixed so they only had twelve seats in it so and this sounds like it's out of Fresno so they had to put myself in the other alternate seat in front of the jury box <laughs> but the way the jury box was in between. Um, the table where one of the attorneys was, and a little pa- and, and, and a little pathway that led up to where the witnesses sat. But now we were blocking it. So every time they called a witness, we had to do that thing where you, like you're in a movie theater, you have to bend at the knees and raise your legs up to let people <laughs> pass by. So it was, call Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, excuse me, oh yeah, sure. And the alternates would have to lean back and raise their legs. But this is ridiculous. Um, but the joy, I think the joy of courtroom stuff is that like unless you are a lawyer, or judge, or you work in that that milieu. Um, what we've learned from TV and movies and even court shows is that anything goes. We think there are laws, but anything goes in a courtroom, and that's the joy of it. Whether it's very serious or whether it's like this, very silly, anything can happen. And after time, this has one of those great judges who tries to keep order, but then after time, just says, "I'll allow it." Yeah. Whatever. It's all out of control, anyways. And there's so many people in that courtroom by the end. It's like they're doing they're gonna they're gonna do like a Marx Brothers um stateroom sequence or something like that. You know, it's it's just like it's 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 so wacky and it's just so nutty. And uh so so I I love the fact that they ended with the trial sequence and it is indeed one where so much is resolved and you come away from it feeling story wise feeling very satisfied, I think. Yeah. And you get the final big scene, which we'll talk about in a moment, and then you get the final scene between Charles and Charlotte. And that, that really wonderful, heartbreaking, and also very silly moment where Charles admits his love, and then he goes <laughs> in the back of the station wagon, sits with Charlotte, they're about to kiss, and suddenly they realize that they can kiss, but there's no one to drive her home. So she's like, this isn't going to work, is it? He's like, no, it's not. So he goes back to the first thing. And you think, and I think the thing is, when, when she says, like, tomorrow's another day or a new day, I think that means maybe tomorrow they can try it again and see what happens to me. To me, that's what that's saying. That's a little bit little bit of hope right there. But it's, um, I, I think I think at the end of the day, the, the, the thing about the whole series is that I haven't watched it all the way through it once. But I think if you were to do that, now it, it would take about like four hours and 15, four hours and 20 minutes. That might be too long. But I think it would be very satisfying. And I think it it, it does, it tells its story, it does it all really, it does it really well. The, 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 when they put this together, I think they, I think they did a pretty sweet job. Uh, so what, what else do you have favorite moments or just anything else you want to say about the overall show since we're at the end? Um, I do want to point out because the, the guys who can't blow up the right car for nothing. And when they do blow up the rolls, he, he, Charles had just told Kane, I think I figured out what's wrong with the rolls and it blows up. And Kane's like, thank you, Charles. No telling what a mechanic would have charged for that. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> 
And then, and then what is it? Uh, Charles, bring the rose around. The rose has exploded, madam. Okay, then the wagon. Yes. Because <laughs> there's just like that pause, and she's just like, <laughs> the wagon then. Just like, okay, fine. Yes. <laughs> of course it did. And I think I think this is the episode where we really get to see the um, the public defender really yes. doing some great stuff. She's very funny in this, and she's like, I declare a mistrial. Why? <laughs> I'm just really scattered today. Yeah. I declare a mistrial. We haven't started yet, and I love I love those. We haven't started, yet. and then um when Torch uh, when Torch um gets the murderers to confess, and he says, "I rest my case." You don't have a case. <laughs> And, and then when they when they declare that um, uh, he he killed Yancey, who is Yancey? <laughs> the poor the poor judge. I love because the judge he's always kind of like hunched over. Yeah. And he's like, uh, he's like he's just um, hunching down like he's 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 like a linebacker or something, and he's gonna have these people rush into him, and he's gonna have to knock him away or something like that. And it's 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 really nice. So this this is actually an episode where I could go on for about it. I declare a mistrial. I'm, yes. <laughs> and Acme constantly pleading the fifth. Oh, that's so funny. Who are you, sir? Um, uh, I plead the fifth. Yeah, Actually, just an innocent bystander. I plead the fifth. <laughs> I ple- and then his last line, what is it? I, I plead the fifth. Actually, I'm getting a cab. Yeah. And then he Let's see. Uh, oh, I love the um, uh, Juan finds Torch. Mm-hmm. And then there's about 30, 40 second long scene where the camera's on the floor. <laughs> And Juan is trying to pick Torch up, but he can't. <laughs> he keeps like Torch keeps falling on top of him. And they do that thing where it 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 goes on. It does that thing where it's funny, and then you think it's going on a little too long, but then it starts to become funny again, kind of thing. Like sideshow Bob and the Rakes kind of thing. You know, it, it does that kind of. And it's just him trying. And he can't do it. He can't pick him up. Yeah. And then he and just then, drags him out. Yes, exactly. He drags. <laughs> um, the uh, I. Uh, the 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 lovely line where um, Juan rushes in, Charles is there, Talon is there, Charlotte is there, Tiffany is there. Um, I've got Torch in the car. He's been shot. I was going to rush him to the hospital. Does anyone want to <laughs> rush with me? <laughs> and Tiffany, yes. And she goes. It's 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 actually it's funny. You you get to the I got to the end of it and I thought, gosh, now I kind of like to just go and watch the whole thing again. Um, uh, just, uh, cause I think, I think they, they put it together so well and I feel bad that it, I, 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 I just, I don't think it did that well when it originally aired. Um, but then, but then, like I've said before, like, unlike a lot of sitcoms at this time in the mid eighties, it's actually, this not that this is a sitcom, but this is a comedy on TV. This is actually funny. Whereas a lot of the sitcoms of the mid eighties were not. And I, I almost think at this point we were so used to just sitting down for half an hour with a show that had a laugh track but no funny jokes and just enjoying ourselves. Then when we sit down with a show that's full of funny jokes but there's no laugh track, people were confused because this isn't really the way it worked. You went to the theater to laugh. You watched a sitcom at home just to see characters you liked week after week and people would laugh for you to save the time. I know I could be making this up, but I think I think to me that's one of the because I remember I really loved this when it first aired, but I didn't really encounter anyone else who watched it who liked it as much as I did, and I said it was really funny, was it? Yes, yes, it was, and now I can, I definitely will stand and say yes, it is very funny. Um, what else? What else do you have? 
Well, I have to I have to mention because I do love Earl and the way he delivers his lines. Yes. And they have him up on the stand and they're asking him about Ethel's shooting and the attorney goes, "How'd you find her?" And he goes, "Dead." <laughs> and it's just the way he says it, like yeah. it's it's earnest, it's honest, and it's not the answer you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so perfect. And then when they let him start telling stories, he starts off with stuff like, "Well, I was I was uh, outside watering the plants, if you know what I mean." <laughs> and and like, oh, oh, Earl, <laughs> but she won't let you do that inside. She won't let you. Maybe not. I Maybe don't know. Not. You know. And now, now I we do we do find out who DDDLP is. Yes. And DDDLP is Don Diego de la Peña. Mm-hmm. And I think stemming back to the very opening scene where the conquistadors like find the land, um, he, he his his and they've said it several times. Like Juan says, like my family used to own all this land, and but now the only part they own, well, the only part I gave something away there. The only part Mister La Pena owns is that patch of land in the water, and I I absolutely love the story where he he says, and I came here and I met a beautiful woman. Actually, I met several beautiful women. <laughs> Actually, you'd be surprised at how many beautiful women I met. But then the only one, the only two women he names, spoiler, are Juan's grandmother mm-hmm. and Earl's wife. And, I, 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 and that that just makes it sound worse if I say Earl's wife. And, and I just and that she was so beautiful. <laughs> and and it, to her, I left the land, and to the other one, I gave a son. And and the whole time you're thinking, her? You ch- <laughs> <laughs> she must have been something. She must have really that's been something. What, that's what being married to Earl did to her. Yes. She was probably young and beautiful when Don Diego met her, and then mm-hmm. she Earl she encountered Earl, and Earl kind of spoiled it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but um, so so what, what we'll do now? Let's go to the, because there's a lot to talk about. But uh, I I um, I told my silly story, so I think um, uh, we're, we're gonna tell, let's do the two things. Let's talk about what happens to Juan, and then what happens in the parking lot. Would you like to um, tell Juan's story? Yes. So as it turns out, Juan, oh, well Don Diego, the the other woman who was not Ethel, her name was Rosalita, I believe. And as it turns out, Juan's grandmother was named Rosalita. And Rosalita had a son named Ricardo. And that is Juan's father's name, is Ricardo. And so it turns out that Don Diego is Juan's grandfather. And as it is, is Cain, uh, of course, try, uh, Kane, yeah, Cain tries to get him to, to sell him the water rights. And he's like, no, he will only give them to Juan. And so now Juan owns these water rights and says that um, in recognition of how well the Kensington (laughs) family has treated him over the years, that he will graciously allow them to continue to lease that water, (laughs) the water rights, for twice as much as what they've been paying. (laughs) <laughs> so our beloved Juan gets the ultimate victory. Yes. He's been trying to get a raise forever, and now he has the ultimate raise. Yes, yes. And his family is finally—they're finally going to get a phone. They're going to get some food, some clothes. It's going to be yeah. and the the closing shot of the of the of the miniseries is you you see the 
the station wagon go off in the distance and the camera goes up in the air. Um, actually, it's a little bit higher up, up in the air, over the over the fields, over some trees, over the fields, and then you see a truck parked in the middle of the field, and you see Juan with his arms outstretched, just dancing around. And it's sort of like it should be it, that right that it began with with the his ancestors mm-hmm. claiming the land, and now he's got not just a small portion of it, but the really important portion of it. Yes. So um. So that was kind of that was kind of that's actually a pretty great ending for Juan. I like that, and that's kind of one of those things too, where I, I can't. Um, if they would have made it into a series, you, you the first thing it would have been was the Kensingtons and the Canes trying to get that from Juan, and that that would have been one of the first plot lines that came up. And I just like it. Leave it the way it is. Leave it the way it is. I don't need to see more stories. Write a write a book. <laughs> write a write a Fresno follow up novel that I, I'm not going to read. You know, just just don't do more episodes. <laughs> and the other the other beginning is is just and I just remember thinking this is so hilarious because it is it is foreshadowed in the poison that the assassins I use that term lightly uh, put in 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 the in the punch in the previous episode and the explosion at the start of this episode in that they say Kensington Kane Kensington. He's never going to get out of that parking lot. And as everyone's leaving, you realize that they've put explosives in every single car in the parking lot. The only car that gets out is the station wagon because Charles had already pulled it out of there. And I, or, or wasn't there. I, I it, it, it simply wasn't there. Yeah, he and was so, parked on the street. Yes, that's right. He was parked on the street. Yeah. Um, and, and so you just watch the scene. And some glorious explosions where every single car in the parking lot <laughs> blows up. It's so over the top and it's so wonderful. And when they, you realize that they, they screwed up again because one, they didn't get the car Kane would have been in. And two, Kane was arrested for perjury yeah. trying to come out of the, so, so he's not even there. So it's a great, uh, it's a great, and it's sort of the perfect ending for those characters because they start off blowing up the wrong thing. And now they just blow up everything, but they still don't get it. And it's and and they get fired and they have to turn in their their dark glasses, and that's the ending. So it's I mean I think it's like, like I said I think it's um it's really satisfying. I I was that was the one thing as I was approaching this like the first time I watched it and again watching it here thinking, is this going to be one of those where it like ends with a point where you're like that's not really an ending, that's kind of like. It continues, or so like like V the final battle. You watch that for six hours, and you're like, really? That's the ending? You called it the final battle, and you're setting us up for a TV series that no one's going to care about? Great. I guess I could cover V on eventually Super Train because the show only lasted for thirteen episodes. But then you'd have to hear me get mad at the end of V the final battle again. Do you want that? No, no, you don't. Um, so what else do you have on this? I think I think I've pretty much covered most of what I wanted to say. Are we going to spoil the, the the trial and who the actual killer is? Um, or do you how about leave that? No, let's leave that one. Okay. We'll leave that one for everyone. Well, <laughs> be, all is not what it seems. It, and I will just say that yes, all is not that it was that what it seems, but it is a completely satisfying ending. Yes. To the it, to the mystery. It, um, it, okay, so if that's. If we're not spoiling than that, then I think I do have one little bit of random trivia, my last bit of yes, random yes. trivia, and that is Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. who, you know, we've seen imprisoned this whole time. The same year that Fresno came out, 
1986. So also Aliens came out that year. Yes. That's right. He was and, – and he was also in an episode of Miami Vice that wow. aired at the end of the year. And that episode also starred Wesley Snipes. What? Yes. How wow. random is that? That's – wow. Yeah, that's – and I think uh, – forgive me. I, the next year I think was Near Dark. Yes. I think, if I remember yes. correctly. Yes. So, wow. Yeah, that's – it's a hell of a cast. It's all around. I think they do a really beautiful job. And and like, like you said, you don't really need to know the nighttime soap opera tropes. You can kind of pretty much figure out what they're doing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. It's it, and if you if you have a just a basic like pop culture knowledge of nighttime mm-hmm. soaps, you're gonna you're gonna get a hold of this. You're gonna you're gonna get into this. Yes. Yeah. And it's uh yeah, and uh, thank you for talking uh uh with me about this. This is our first oh. mini series and I yes. I think I think it was it was fun. We we ruined a lot of stuff for everyone. But um if you made it this far and you watched it and enjoyed yeah. it I'm glad because it's, it's, it's worth your time. If it, if it was something you may have seen and thought, I don't know, it's worth your time. Go and watch it. But yeah, so that was, that was Fresno, everyone, the, uh, our first mini series. And maybe we'll do another one. Maybe we'll do Lace. Maybe we'll do V. I don't know. But then we do this. Ah, shut up, Dan. So, Kristen, <laughs> where, where, where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want to hear me talking about miniseries and Fresno in real time, you can do that by following me on Twitter at kikiwrites. And that's all for Fresno, everyone. And like I said, uh, we will have two brand new old shows uh, kicking in uh, sometime soon. So uh, I hope you look forward to those, and I hope you enjoyed uh, the, uh, our chats there with C.R. Hawes uh, discussing Fresno, our first miniseries. Anyway, let me let me bring you on to the third and final segment of this, and this has absolutely nothing to do with me, but this is Christmassy. And I think I mentioned before that I'm a big fan of uh, Bob and Ray, uh, comedy duo Bob Elliott and Ray Golding. And they have, they, 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 they started uh, together in 1946 in Boston, and most of their career they were in uh, New York City, and m- most of that time they were on um, on radio. Well, the majority, I about like 80, 85 percent of what they did was on radio, and they went until until Ray's death in 1990. And I think uh, you you could find some if you're looking out there, you find stuff from about 1948. I think that's the earliest stuff that I've been able to find up until around like their their public radio show around in 86 87 and their their the they had a final book out and they did a book on tape for it which was basically a two and a half hour Bob and Ray show that kind of closed off the career but they had all kinds of radio stations all kinds of radio shows they had a TV show in the very early 50s um they used to do um uh, guest appearances on the Today show when it started on whatever channel that today show was on and they did all kinds of stuff they were there's a um the, a thing that i've never seen called from cleveland which is some sort of pilot they did with the uh a cast of sctv circa like 1980 or so they did they hosted well the, they were the the in the fourth season of i think it was the fourth or fifth season of saturday night live the all the guys went on vacation for the week and bob and ray jane lorraine and gilda 
uh, had a had a Saturday Night Live episode all to themselves, and they they pop up all over the place. They you um there's there's a BC Christmas special, BC the comic with the caveman that has Bob and Ray's voice on it. They appeared on an episode of Happy Days. You could find a whole mess of them on like uh, David Letterman and 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 Johnny Carson and all sorts of uh, fun times. And but this specifically what we're talking about here. I'm going to play here is from a show they had on the radio on CBS, 1959 to 1960. Oddly enough, I'm watching an Abbott Costello film, It Ain't Hay, and um, the little girl in it who has a handsome cab. The handsome cab is numbered 59. That's weird. Um, but anyway, uh, and, and they had this show, it was, it was CBS Comedy Time. It was on uh, Monday through Friday in the evenings. I'm, I'm not sure what time. It was like 6 to 7.30, something like that. And it consisted of... Uh, 15 minutes of Andy Griffith telling his his bucolic stories, and of course, obviously, if you know the timeline here, 1959 to 1960, he he would be gone by the time this was done doing the Andy Griffith show. 15 minutes of it was um, old uh, Burns and Allen routines. 15 minutes of it was Bob and Ray, and then the remaining 45 minutes. If if I'm getting this right, I haven't actually like heard a full lineup of it then. Things change slightly when I read about the schedule, but the last 45 minutes was the Amos and Andy Music Hall or Music Variety Hour or something. It was the last last iteration of Amos and Andy, who had been around since 1928, 1929, and um, and now here they were in 1960, about two years away from the end of American radio, which was what September 30th, 1962. It's funny that we have an actual end date for old time radio. It was. Um, uh, September 30th, 1962, the day Suspense had its final episode and Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, had its final episode. After that, it was um, I, I, DJs and, and, and news shows and, and religious shows and this, that, and the other, and all sort of regular radio programming was pretty much done. Although Bob and Ray still had shows over the next 20 years. Um, but but this was CBS Comedy Time was an attempt by CBS to bring back sort of the oldish style of... Um, comedy and things and they give Bob and Ray uh, 15 minutes uh, Monday through Friday and it was out for a year and you you can find uh, if you go and look for them you could find I think about like if there were maybe 250 episodes you can find I think like maybe 215 to 220 of them and they're very they're quite wonderful and they've got a great uh, sort of continuity to them with with continuing plot lines with characters and this that I mean the the premise is that Bob and Ray are yeah these two guys in the studios and there's a big cast of characters and they have reporters and they have um musicians and all sorts of different stuff who come on all sorts of different characters and they get involved in all sorts of random shenanigans and there's no laugh track or audience laughing it's just them doing their thing and the episode I'm going to play you now is from December 24th 1959 uh it's colloquially colloquially I got lost in that word there, colloquially, called, um, what is it, giving gifts, it's, let's see, giving Christmas gifts to the cast, and it's basically, it's a cast party in the studio, and you'll meet a bunch of the, uh, the Bob and Ray staff and things as they're giving them gifts and stuff, and, and some of you will enjoy this, some of you will get uh, several minutes in and say, uh, good night, Dan, Merry Christmas, and go away. Some of you may just listen in absolute confusion for 15 minutes, but it's, uh, it's something I really love, and, um, if you like this, there are places you can go to. You can go to archive.org and do Bob and Ray and find stuff on there. You can go um, OTRR, Old Time Radio Researchers Group, search for Bob and Ray. They have tons of stuff on there, including all the available episodes that I know of of this 
comedy time cbs comedy time iteration um in 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 order which is fun so I, i'm gonna leave you at that i know that's a bit of maybe that's a bit too much yakking on that but so i'm gonna play you um december 24th 1959 uh, bob and ray cbs comedy time this was a thursday night and um and and we will go out with this episode i, I won't be back after it so um i will talk to you in um in a, about a month and a half or so maybe a little sooner but uh, be good to yourselves everyone um i hope you had a decent year i know some of us did some of us not so much but maybe 2023 will be it'll be better and uh happy holidays merry christmas and please enjoy um a bit of bob and ray at the cbs cbs studios christmas eve 1959 and now bob elliott and ray goulding present the cbs radio network <laughs> Who made that arrangement? I think it's uh, Pierre. Did you, uh, did you do that? Good. It's very, very appropriate for this Christmas Eve. Oh, I'd like a record of that. Decorating our uh, our studio Christmas tree. Maybe you can hear the murmur, the hum of excitement among our cast in the background. Well, it's I, got a huge tree. Here. I don't know who can get up on the top here with the star. Who can get the tippy top of it? Well, if we had the Bob and Ray Giants still in our employ, we could do it. But... <laughs> I don't think I'd uh, want to risk it. I just can't get up on a step ladder if you've got one. Yeah, we don't have any Christmas Eve assignments for me tonight, do you? No, no, not Christmas Eve as yet, anyway. Nothing. We just checked the teletype, and uh, there's nothing going on, so forget it. No news. We just want to have a good time here, and and, uh, and then hand out the presents that we have for all of the cast right. here. Oh, boy. Okay, Wally, here's the sky. You get up on the top. Okay. Good. Hold the ladder, Web, buddy, please. Right. Careful now. The beautiful fruit fruit. Or you drop part of that thing. That's the thing we want to plant. Yeah. Right. We'll watch it. Right, okay. I'll be more careful. You see, that's the thing that fits down over the very apex, the top that's of the tree. That's right. Yeah. Put that at the bottom of the star. Okay. okay. You got it? Good. How's uh, oh, that look? Is it straight? Wait a minute. Get up there. Oh, good. Okay. We've got to put a bulb on her. Oh, yeah. Have the upper bulb with I think you ought to put a blue one in. Look. Well, you should have thought of this before you went up on the ladder. Yeah, yeah. Pretty one. Uh, the only one left here, now I would think, is a plain white one. But that looks like a star. That looks all right. Cool. Too. Okay. Toss it up. Got it. Well, then. Okay, she's all set. I'm coming down now. Oh, oh, you more careful. Oh, both that hit you off about six of those beautiful imported decorations. Imported what? Decorations. Oh, well, we've oh, got more. There's more over in the box there. We well, we can make some popcorn and string it later. Do what, do it, Mary? String popcorn. Popcorn and, and the tinsel we have to oh, put yeah, on nice. there. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's nice, yeah. And uh, we just want to... Merry Christmas, fellas. Thank you, sir. Well, we'll, we'll have, have the real lighting ceremony a little bit later, won't we? Uh, yes. We'll push the button, and the tree will light up. Kind of make it a ceremony. We've done this every year since 1911. Uh, on the air, towards the end of the show, we'll push the... Uh, Push the button and the tree lights up. And waiting outside is the great Bob and Ray sleigh to take us on our merry way this Christmas Eve. And we'll have microphones out in the hall and down in the elevator shaft and in the front lobby. And 
still hear the actual sleigh pulling away from CBS here. So, uh, don't you go away from this magic spot on your dial. Isn't this a magic night of all nights in the year? Christmas Eve, yeah. Yep. Hey, you're not going to uh, mention the Christmas Eve thing with Bing again. Oh, no, no, not for wild horses. But I was thinking, uh, since it is Christmas Eve, that, uh, you know, that makes tomorrow. You do, Christmas Day, uh, but what? Uh, yeah, Christmas Day. Yeah. Very yeah. special around here because uh, CBS Radio's seven daytime serials have something special. Oh, that's right. Is uh, Mother McGinney is going to visit young Ranger Sam, and uh, and she only uh, he won't be home because he's uh, taking old Uncle Blue Nose oh, to split. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this uh, is a real thing now. Oh yeah. Well, Christmas Day is when Stan and Mother Burton uh, get onto the couple next door show. Helen Trent as Hope Winslow of Whispering Streets on her show. Uh, Whispering Streets as Ma Perkins on his show. <laughs> And, uh, you <laughs> know, it'll be like that all day long. <laughs> Seems they'll all be, uh, sending current problems for Christmas Day. Signals over here. Where, yeah. Where's young Dr. Malone going to be? Is he going to visit anybody tomorrow? I think he is, uh, yeah. I think he may drop into Rushville Center. I'm not sure. But, uh, we're oh. going to have our own little party among yeah. the folks at the one fellow's family. I think a lot of our cast is going to drop in there tomorrow. From uh, different uh, Bob and Ray features. Yeah. We'll all be dropping in to say hello to one fellow's family. Well, that's tomorrow. Now, you'll be sure in here. I've never heard that. Can you imagine Helen Trent uh, swapping uh, Christmas anecdotes with Hope Winslow? Mm. Oh, oh, boy. It'll be interesting and unusual listening. What do you say you get together and have total caroling here. Oh, sorry. Still up to it? Yeah, right. yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? We've been rehearsing mm. with uh, our, our well, jingle here. How about, uh, what do we go with? Deck the halls? That's a Deck the halls. That's what we're doing, too. We're decorating. Do you all know the words to that? First of all, can you all hear me? Oh, yeah. Yes, so right. Of course we can hear you. You're not more than six feet away. Well, I know. I just wanted to be sure you Break the holes with boughs of holly. La 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 That was nice. Mary, that's not your key at all. <laughs> well, you sound a little like Arthur Schrenner there for a minute. If I didn't know he was in uh, Hong well, Kong, I would have a cut glass vase before you started this thing now. Well, I suppose we'd better light the tree and then pass out the presents, haven't we? <coughs> okay. That'd be the next order of business. Well, Bob, I think last year you pushed the button. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so that means everything being uh, fair and square that uh, I pushed the button to light the tree this year. Okay. We all set, everybody? Oh, yes, we're all set. Okay, here I go. One, two, three. <laughs> What do you know about that? Oh, where's Where's our lighting expert? Where's the dinosaur? Sven? Oh, where's the dinosaur? Sven Ostersvay set the lighting thing up. And, uh... 
Yeah, Mr. Nathan. Were you in charge of seeing that uh, we had the right spider on the floor and the right cords? And hey, the right get mixed up and you listen to that spaghetti on the floor there. All that mixed up wires and things. You, you saw what happened. Uh, the flag is uh, completely... I think I closed the lights into the tape recorder. The tree there is completely disintegrated. Yeah, I see that. But Not a thing left. <laughs> it burned all the branches off there, not a thing. There must be five or six dollars there tied up in decoration. Say, we didn't ruin the presents any. Some of that tinsel is still okay, I suppose, but... We could drape that around the window of the control room. But otherwise, it's a room. I have a rubber plant. Fits out in the office. I'll bring that in. I think you'll save the day, Barry. We can decorate the rubber plant. All right. Would oh, you go and get it? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You caused all of this confusion. Okay, and Merry Christmas. Oh. Uh, to both of them. Merry Christmas to Mary and to Zven. Yeah. I hope she gets that back here in time because it doesn't I suppose we can start giving, uh, you can give Wally yeah. Wally, uh, yes, sir. But, oh, uh, incidentally, uh, yeah, well, it is, but, uh, before we give you your present, Wally, I was looking at the type, uh, teletype writer, and, uh, I'm afraid that duty calls again for you tonight. Uh-oh. Oh, I almost could tell this was Kelly. Another well, assignment, huh? That's right. Uh, we I was hoping to get hold of Rosedale to the to the wife, Hullabaloo, and uh, the kid, hmm. little boy. Right. Unfortunately, this will take you in the other direction. Tonight marks uh-huh. the uh, final run of a commuter train yeah. that goes uh, from Amityville to Montauk. Oh, that should be fun, though. And we'd like you to cover that with CBS. Yeah, we'll be uh, in a good mood, the folks on that train. So if you'd get going, that well, first of all, well, let me open the present. Merry there. Christmas, uh, Wally. Open the present. And there you are. Uh-huh. <clears throat> open it. Today. I do appreciate. Uh... Hey, hey, just what I wanted—a necktie. Yes. You fellows are about as the most original people I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, look uh, on the other side there. Don't let that service station insignia bother you. Because uh, nobody will see it. Oh, I they, noticed that. I'll have to tie it backwards. Tie it backwards so that they won't see the... Uh, the uh, Says I should wear it with a gray suit. Right. But I'm and colorblind. A, How do I tell what suit? And a black oh, visored cap. But anyway, Merry Christmas, Wally. Merry Christmas, and I uh, hope you get the rubber plant decorated in time. Thank you, Wally. Bye, Bye. buddy. Merry Christmas. Well, it's still brown. I'm sorry to see Wally go. Come on, now, open up yours. You're going to help me make the punch. Well, we can take care of that. Whose present is this? This is yours. Oh. This Mary would get back. How do you like that? Do you think it'll fit? Well, I wouldn't wear a little calendar like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, uh, did you color this yourself with, yeah. the, with your own crayon? No, it's watercolor. Blue. I don't know if it's kind of nice. It's better. Uh, that's blue on uh, the back of December 60, you know, I can stick on any piece of purple. What? I say that's blue, isn't it, on the back yeah. of December 60? Yes. So I can stick it on every piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly something I can use every day of the year. Well, it's, uh, we thought it would be practical for very you. Nice. Very, very, and I very think maybe nice. if you go down now and tell the sleigh... to make the, the, the bowl. Well, before you do that, tell the sleigh man downstairs we'll be down in a few minutes, will you? Okay, I'll tell him. Did you get the rubber plant, Mary? Yes, here it is. Okay, good. We have, I have some decorations, too, just so long as we have something that looks like a tree and is lit up. I think so. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like a straight line. 
Oh, this, that'll work all right. We've got a few lights that'll still work. I think there's another string we didn't use before. Mary, uh, we have a little something for you, too, from uh, Bob and Ray. Here you are. Hope you like it. <laughs> That's what, a hat brush? Huh? Yes. You can use it for suede or, like, uh, shoes and stuff. Very nice. Or for your leather jacket. I don't... I don't have a leather jacket. Uh It's very nice. Handy, huh? I don't know how you ever knew I wanted that. Well, little birds gave us little tips on things that you folks want. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, that's it. Merry Christmas, Mary. Merry Christmas to you, too. I think we all have something for you gentlemen, too. Well, that's very nice. I think we ought to thank the 20 people who showed up in the studio tonight. My heart heart goes out to them, really. You'd think that they could uh, be at a, well, a place where some of their own relatives and friends are on Christmas Eve. But thank you for coming here. And on the way out, uh, we want you to be sure and put out the lights uh, as you leave. Thank you. So uh, enjoy yourself. I guess we could be leaving now, couldn't we? Yes, so... Uh, well, don't forget we will be back here tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be back with our big uh, Christmas dinner and uh, everything. Well, we hope you all have a Merry Christmas and have a very Merry Christmas. And come on with us down the hall now while we go up get into the sleigh. Down the hall here. And some of these are still running. Yeah. We're going down. Yes, please. Get in, face front. Okay, Gus. Merry Christmas, incidentally, Gus. Yes, uh, same to you. Kind of makes you feel warm, doesn't it, Ray? What? No, it's starting to rain. Yeah, it kind of mm-hmm. makes me feel warm. Yeah. So long, a Merry Christmas to you. So long. Uh... Yeah, he's out there. I can see him through the glass doors <laughs> out on 52 Street. Oh, it's cold tonight. Oh, boy. One to left. Well... Get up into the sleigh. It's a great coat on. Okay, driver. Let's crash it. Don't spare the horses either, driver. Do you have those, uh, hot chestnuts? Yeah, sure. I've got some rain. Good. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, and, uh, Webley and Wally, will you sign the show off in just ten seconds? And until tomorrow, this is Webley Webster wishing you a Merry Christmas. And Wally Malou wishing you a Merry Christmas, too. Buying securities? Investigate before you invest. This is the CBS Radio Network. And KNX AM and FM, CBS Radio in Los Angeles.